Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel uh, forecasts and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, and yes, we are having fun. Thank you for joining us today. Well, this show is brought to you by C5 Summit, the global summit. It's going to be here in Atlanta, uh, where we're headquartered, September 28th through the 30th. There's deal making, there's transactions going on, there are networking. Uh, you really want to check it out. Uh, I'll give you the website so you can find out more on your own. It's c5summit.realestate. In fact, I'll be speaking there uh, at the summit, the global summit. I'll be speaking on creative methods to sell commercial properties. Might be a good topic for where we are right now today, right? Well, let's talk about where we are today. Today, we're going to talk about the economy and, and commercial real estate, kind of what's going on, right? There's been the, another increase in interest rates by the Fed. So I've been all this talk about, you know, potential recession, uh, hard landing, soft landing. Uh, we saw transaction volume really, really drop down to maybe 50 percent, roughly uh, levels of uh, from 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 the robust year of 2021. But uh, we're as brokers on the front line, we're starting to see a bit pickup of folks realizing, hey, we're back to more historic interest rates uh, and we're, there's new, new valuation, right, in the marketplace. And a lot of folks, uh, a lot of groups are in a position of profit on, on a lot of these properties. They've gone up in value so much in the rents over time. We're starting to see transaction volume pick up. But what should we expect moving forward? Well, please welcome my guest. It's uh, Xander Snyder. And Xander is the senior CRE economist or commercial real estate economist with First American Financial. Now, you know them as the biggest title company probably in the country. You know, we, we've done a lot of work with First American. Uh, Xander, good to meet you. And, and thanks for being on the show. Pleasure to meet you as well. And thanks for having me. And first, Xander, you know, as a, a commercial real estate economist, you know, uh, uh, users of commercial real estate, occupiers, uh, and course owners, lenders, we're all wondering, you know, where are we in this economy? It's been kind of crazy. Uh, you know, we see retail sales doing well. We seems like job market's still fine. You know, are, are we, are we going to have a recession as a hard landing, soft landing? What do you say? I think that each day that we go by, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Fed is able to raise rates and the labor market stays as tight as it has been, probably increases the probability of a soft landing. I'm not going to make a car call right now and say that that's absolutely going to happen. But uh, headline inflation is now down below 4%. C core isn't. Core's still high. And, you know, Jerome Powell talked about that. But things are looking better than they were six months ago. And the labor market remains resilient. All of that is pointing towards a, a higher chance of soft landing than even a few months. Yeah, and of course, Jerome Powell talked about maybe a, another uh, increase in the Fed's rate. Yeah, I think that's still probable. Uh, well, as they like to remind us, they're data dependent, which I think is just a very clever way of saying we'll let you know next month. It really does depend <laughs> right. on right. it really does depend on the data release. But I, I think the market is expecting another quarter, uh, another quarter point raised by the end of the year, although perhaps with another month pause, as we saw uh, last month. Yeah. 
well, if anybody at the Fed's listening, please just quit. Let's let this happen. Let's see how this <laughs> shakes out. I, uh, you know, let, let's let the banks recover from this and, uh, and commercial real estate and the economy overall. And speaking of banks, you know, the community banks and other banks are really important to, to the economy and commercial real estate. There's been talk that uh, some of the community banks could be in trouble out there. You know, wh what do you see? What do you expect? Yeah, I think that uh, there, the issue of community banks is is a little bit of a difficult one to discuss because there is a fair amount of complexity. Commercial, uh, regional and local banks do tend to extend more credit in aggregate than large banks to the commercial real estate market. They're really an important conduit of credit for commercial real estate. And after the bank failures of earlier this year, a lot of folks immediately went and said, okay, what card could fall next? What you could drop next? And a lot of attention got laid on commercial real estate loan holdings at smaller banks. The idea being they're not systematically important. They may be more prone to fail if there's some sort of distress. So I do think that we, as far as you know, seeing distress at smaller banks goes, we might not be out of the woods yet, remains to be seen. But um, I, I do think that they're struggling with extending the same amount of credit to the commercial real estate market that they have over the last two to three years, in part because you have the Federal Reserve um, and to a certain degree, the, the FDIC saying that there may be more regulatory scrutiny at banks of a size that have not received that sort of regulatory scrutiny in the past, you know, uh, preserved for banks beyond a certain asset threshold. So um, as a result of that, a lot of small banks and a lot of large banks too have stockpiled on some cash, use a combination of the discount window and the bank term funding program that came about after the failure of SVB and SI to shore up their cash balances. But more cash on bank balance sheets generally means less cash lent out to commercial real estate. So I do think that, that we're, we're experiencing a bit of the credit tightness from that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And we're, um, we, we hear the headlines that the lenders, banks aren't doing any loans, but you know what? We are closing transactions as brokers here in the Southeast US and we're closing new loans. So some lenders are, and, and my message to uh, lenders right now is look, you, you might build the best relationships of your career doing loans right now. And it might be some of the safest loans, in my opinion, that you've done in a long time. You know, we might not have the uh, rate uh, risk on maturity. Uh, you might have less competition from other lenders. So you might have better, safer loans and, and build some relationships. So I urge lenders to, to get out there. And if, cause if we, if all the lend, if a lot of lenders stop lending, we're creating our own problem, right? We're <laughs> our, all our loans and, and properties as could deteriorate more in value. One of the things uh, that uh, a lot of groups are working on these days, uh, Xander, as you know, as uh, maybe they're doing a little bit less transaction volume, they're concentrating more on their top line and bottom line uh, growth. And, you know, one of those issues has been uh, raised uh, increase in their expenses, right? Yeah. Well, you, we've now seen rent growth moderating after a historic period of rent growth surge uh, over the last two years or so. And as rent growth has moderated, owners and operators have begun to focus more on their bottom line and where else are the opportunities but on the expense management front. So if you can't raise rent as much anymore, you want to try to limit your expense growth so that you don't eat into your NOI margins. 
And what's happening right now is that as inflation has surged over the last couple of years, and you know the CPI tends to be the CPI or maybe the PCA, PCE are the two that are discussed the most in the news, there are other measures of inflation. One is called the Producer Price Index, or PPI, and in fact, it's not a single index. There's something like 10,000 sub-indices, which track all sorts of different metrics and all sorts of uh, prices for all different sorts of goods. One of these sub-indices is repairs and expense ma- uh, repairs and main excuse me repairs and maintenance expenses for commercial properties. And over the course of the last three years, these have increased by over 30 percent, an accumulated increase. So this isn't just year over year, but from early 2020, repairs and maintenance expenses or RM have gone up by about 30% for multifamily and about 34% for non-residential properties. It's a big increase in expenses. I guess if you want to look at the silver lining for that is on a year-over-year basis, it's actually now declining a little bit. So we've seen this really radical surge in, in R&M expense that's now beginning to moderate a little bit. But that's not the only line item that owners are preoccupied about right now. Another one that I've heard over and over again, and I'm now beginning to see some more data for, is the growth in insurance expenses, insurance premiums, like prop- property and casualty, you know, your, your ongoing uh, you know, expense line item. And there are several drivers behind this, uh, the higher insurance premiums. One is climate risk. That's one that people cite, and you have insurance providers pulling out of certain states. But a more mundane reason for the higher insurance premiums is buildings cost more now. So insurance companies have to insure large dollar amounts. And especially if they're doing the calculations based on replacement costs, well, construction materials are more expensive now too. They've gone on, gone up along in line with some of those R&M expenses over 30% over the last three years. So all of these are pressuring NOI margins right now. And I think increasingly with fewer opportunities on top line growth, you're going to see uh, more focus on this from property managers and operators alike. Yeah. And I, and I guess there's really no relief in sight, really, for these insurance premium increases, right? If the construction costs are up, uh, climate change is happening. Uh, do you see any, any reduction in these costs moving forward in any shape, form, or fashion? I, I, think, I think the bright the, the silver lining here is they're stabilizing. A lot of the trends that, that I just discussed with the R&M expenses are mirrored in input to construction inflation because they're often very similar goods. So you, you've seen a 30 to 35-ish percent increase in inputs to construction, so material costs. Um, but o- over the last year, they've begun declining. So you've actually had four or five months of annual declines in material costs uh, for for building properties, for commercial properties. So I think that prices are much higher, but they're stabilizing a little bit, and that would be the good news. Yeah, that's good. And I'm, I'm hearing less challenges with uh, uh, you know, the, the items we need, the, the steel and the wood and the, you know, all the parts. Now, we're still hearing some of that, but it's a little less of it, right? I guess with China and other countries maybe getting back to work, there could be some relief there. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the the inflation that we've incurred over the last several years has been a combination of, we've kind of gotten it from both ends. We've gotten the the supply chain constraints, which have shocked inflation on the supply side. But then we also had demand surges. So we had a shock to inflation on the demand side. And it certainly seems like some of the supply chain constraints are beginning to work out. But to your point, they're not totally worked out. And maybe a post-pandemic world, you know, trade looks a little bit different. It's, it's a little early to say, but 
it does seem like some of the real stresses that we experienced over the last three years are beginning to subside on the inflation front a little bit. Yeah. Well, it looks like you're, uh, you're, you're part of the challenge there with the demand. Look at all the guitars. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you got to love an economist that plays guitar. Those bass or lead or what do you have there? All of them. I got, I got, <laughs> I got a, a couple of six strings, a seven string, an eight string and a bass. I'm a one man band. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, you know, a lot of folks uh, look at changes in, in the market uh, as, as times for potential opportunity. You know, if you're thinking for lenders or, or developers or investors or, or occupiers, where might there be some opportunities right now? That's it. I think certainly one of the big, uh, one big opportunity is if you're a sponsor that's been waiting for, you know, sitting on the sidelines with cash. Uh, maybe getting your four to five percent on treasury bonds waiting for the right deal to come by you have a lot of power now because you have a really strong uh there's that uh, that phrase called a batna best alternative to negotiating agreement and if you ever read the uh, uh now i'm forgetting the name of that book but you know if you have a five percent short-term treasury bond you have a pretty strong batna if you don't like the price of the deal you can just walk and wait hopefully for prices to come down a little bit so i think if you've been uh cautious with capital deployment, you're going to have some opportunities coming up at, at good prices. I think <clears throat> more broadly, there are certainly some opportunities on the lending side for private lenders. We talked a little bit about the credit crunch from regional community banks, and they they really have extended a lot of credit to the, the, the commercial real estate market over the last three years. I mean, over the last year, I have a, a paper that was just published today um, that looked at how much credit smaller banks extended just over the course of the last year. It was close to 300 billion. And there's no single other source of capital that can make up for that degree of lending. But there are other lenders in the market that aren't banks. There are non-bank lenders. And I think that when you have banks pull back and beginning to you know, focus a little bit more on risk management, making sure that they have all the capital buffers they need to weather any sort of storm that comes up, that lets uh, risk-tolerant uh, investors, lenders, debt investors, step into the fray and perhaps pick up you know, where some of the banks left off. And so you have mortgage REITs that I think are fairly well positioned. You have some private lending groups that are sim similar to mortgage REITs, but you know, not publicly traded. Um, I think in total, the amount of capital that's available from private lending can't make up for the pullback in community bank lending. And that's essentially what this, this article that published today talks about. But if you are a private lender, you're, you're sitting a little pretty right now because you can turn away the deals you don't like and uh, people don't have a lot of great alternatives, which also means that you can charge more, you can charge higher interest rates and have a, uh, uh, a more primary position in the capital structure on top of that. So I, I think that's what's really attractive to a lot of real estate investors right now who have been on the equity side for a long time right now is they're seeing the prospect for returns that aren't so different from what they're used to experiencing and underwriting on the equity side, but you can get it uh, on the debt slice of the capital structure. So I really think there, there are some opportunities in lending coming up in the next year to 18 months. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because I've had two clients in the last month that uh, uh, are equity buyers right they they buy properties that are kind of michael uh i want you to loan this money out i, I want to be i want to be a debt provider i want to be in that first position and not have to manage the uh, the property uh so it's a good point we're seeing it on, even on on large deals to smaller deals um 
And then I like your your thought there on on the opportunities for for buyers. Uh, I mean, you know, if you look at real estate, it's a long term hold. So you know, if you can get in at a little bit lower basis uh, because uh, you're you're have less competition from the finance buyers, then maybe you get in better properties and you get into um, you know better deals, uh, price per square foot range. Um, and then I guess another opportunity uh, get your view on this is really for for occupiers, right? Uh, especially uh, in the office market, right? If you're, if you're trying to upgrade your office or, you know, uh, and, and have a place where people want to be, you have a lot more options for lease and a lot better deals, but you also have potentially acquisition opportunities, right? Yeah, it's, it's not a bad time to be an office tenant right now. You have a good deal of negotiating leverage in any sort of conversation you're going to have over, over a lease agreement. Uh, I'm reading more and more about um, prospective tenants asking to see the office owner's books, like their their actual, the company's financials to know that they're going to be in a safe enough position that the tenant isn't going to have to deal with any sort of, you know, bank-related issues in the future. If there's stress at the property, I've read that um, and heard that tenants are really extracting pretty significant TI concessions from, from office owners. So I certainly think it's not a bad time if you're looking for office space, and not everyone is. Uh, there's, you know, we have a it, it, a near historic level of sublease space on the market right now um, and a lot of other office space is clearly going underutilized. If you need the space, you're in a good position right now uh, to, to get the deal you want. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and we, when we do tenant representation, um, especially for office, we've always looked at the capital stack and, and the lending and uh, to see if, uh, if that, that's safe or TI dollars and is operations we've seen big class A buildings uh, lose power uh, from distressed situations. And it obviously shuts down your company can cost a ton of money. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We need to make sure occupiers do that. And another thing that we've seen on the occupier side is a lot of these uh, companies want to really want to own their real estate. But hmm. when it's a very hot market, there's there's not as many options, right? They can't get the right property because the, the, the sellers won't sell it. They, they want to lease it. So we're seeing a lot more opportunities for just choices, right? If you do really want to buy. And of course, if the lenders are going to do a loan for anyone, they really want to do it for owner occupants, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They love that banking. Well, what would you uh, say to our audience, uh, uh, Xander, to leave them with related to commercial real estate and the economy? Sure. Well, it's it's been a turbulent time. Uh, I, I don't think we're fully through it yet, but what's that? I'm going to misquote. I don't remember if it was Churchill, but it's not the beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning. I think that kind of nicely sums up where we are in this transition period. Clearly, there's a reset going on. If you pay attention at all to commercial real estate, you're aware of it. Um, I, I don't think we're at the very beginning phases of it. I be believe that, you know, some of your anecdotal points, we're beginning to see some price discovery, which has been a hot topic for a while. I think that that will continue through the end of this year and into next year. And certainly depending on the asset class, that could go on for a little bit longer. But um, I do think if you've been uh, cautious with your your capital structure and aren't over levered, over -levered and you know, we're, we're careful about the type of rate that you got, then you can afford to sit on and just wait until prices correct uh, right now. And if you've been cautious about managing your dry powder, I think there are going to be some good opportunities coming up. It doesn't seem like the reset's over yet. It could go on for a little while longer. Uh, some historical evidence uh, indicates that, you know, 
prices can decline for more than two quarters in a row when there are commercial real estate price declines. So I think it's 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 a bit of a mixed bag, but it's it's certainly not all catastrophe. And people who who have been through a cycle or two before have been waiting patiently for the right price. And I think they'll benefit from it in the next cycle. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, with, with your guitars in the background, is there a song title or a line in, in a song that that might be appropriate for where we are right now? I was thinking of uh, Journey, Who's Crying Now or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The first one that comes to my mind is is the uh, the classic, you don't always get what you want, but sometimes. Sometimes if you try, you, get. you can get what you need. And, yeah. you know, you might not get the perfect deal right now, but yeah. you can... There, there are buildings that, that soon will be worth having at the right price. Well, good. Well, we'll have to uh, uh, end the show and have that song as the ending. Xander, it's good to meet you, and thanks for being on the show. Great information. Thanks for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. All right. If you want more information, check out uh, First American Financial, a title company that I know a lot of you guys uh, listen and use out there that uh, watch and listen to the show. So uh, keep using them. Uh, great company. We've had great uh, success with them ourselves. And hey, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for sharing the show. Please reach out to me if I can help you. If you need any uh, introduction or anything, my email is michael at bullrealty.com. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.